This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family. I thought you meant the things you need. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thursday's episode of Bet and Breakfast, a little audible <laughs> literally in the last 30 seconds. It was supposed to be myself, Donovan, and Peter Dewey, but uh, Peter's internet is once again not working uh, whenever he tries thing. to get on the show. So wow. we called an audible, we brought in Reed. I don't know if Reed has uh, any notes whatsoever. He might be winging this. Uh, But, yeah, let's have some fun. I mean, right off the top, guys, because uh, I thought I was going to do this show with two Knicks fans, I was going to ask you what's wrong with the New York Knicks. But now this is almost even better because now we can talk (laughs) about what's wrong with the Brooklyn Nets, too. So what's going on with New York basketball right now, guys? Uh, Donovan, I'm going to start with you since you might be a little bit more prepared. Uh, What's going on with your Knicks, man? They (laughs) lost again last night. This is a disaster. Well, okay, so the problem with the Knicks in that I knew coming into the season was that the defense was going to be trash and that the defense was going to take a significant step back because they went out, they signed Kemba, they signed Fournier. Um, what I didn't expect to see was Julius Randle turn into Julius Randle again. I thought he had changed into a different player, but he's back to being the same old dude that everybody was upset about whenever we signed him. His numbers are down across the board. Um, and I think that one of the biggest keys is that he, he turned into a respectable three point shooter last year. And so he was shooting like 41% from three and now he's down to 30%. And so once that happens, the spacing is all messed up and he turns into just, uh, you know, he, he goes into the post and, you know, without the shooting, the spacing's messed up. And so once he gets the ball in his little area, he gets blinders you know, drives in like a bull in a china shop and it's a black hole and nothing gets moving. So I think I I would put a lot of the blame on Julius Randle. And so that's why I think the Knicks are are as bad as they are because the number one isn't a number one. Not only are they bad, Donovan, because uh, I've obviously moved New York in the fall. I said I don't really have an NBA uh, team that I cheer for, even though I'm Canadian. I'm not really a Raptors fan. So I said I was going to become either a fan of the Knicks or the Nets and I was leaning towards the Knicks because uh, historic, you know, historic franchise. I relate to the heartbreak their fan base uh, has dealt with. Um, but honestly, Donovan, they're kind of boring to watch too, which is which is which is not good for me. Not only are they bad, they're kind of boring. Uh, why is that? Is it just because their style of play? Is it is it the players they have? Yeah, fall asleep. It's, it's 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 the style of play. It's the tip style of play. You play in this in this type of 
you know, offense where you don't have much creation. You don't have a lot of talented, um, you know, shot creators. And the two people, and I, honestly, I think that a big part of this is the fact that I think a lot of people feel like none of these people are going to be on the team in two years. 100%. I think like the only person like RJ has potential to stay quickly has potential to stay Obi, but quickly and Obi are not starting guys. You know, they're not, they're not guys that you want to be playing 35, 36 minutes a night. And so you look at this team and you're like, okay, well, we're just kind of, we were supposed to be in the middle, at maybe, you know, six, six seed, somewhere around there. And now we're not even in the plane. We're fighting to get into the plane. And so, you know, when you, when you try and, and put a whole bunch of pieces together that aren't winning, which is not fun to watch either. And then you don't even get highlights out of the losses. It's not fun. But well, I mean, you... I, I would I would say that that's kind of similar, you know, I mean, in terms of situations to the Nets who get highlights, but they also get losses as well. And so, we, we know not really the same thing, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the issue for the Nets more than anything has been. I mean, the Kyrie Irving situation is obviously unprecedented and that's like a whole nother issue. But what's really kind of expedited this little tumble here is the Kevin Durant injury. They just can't stay healthy at all. Their top four salaried guys, Durant, Harden, Irving, and Joe Harris have not played together this entire season. And lack of continuity really adds to the issues. And then, you know, I jumped on. I have no notes. I'm completely weighing this. I'm wearing my glasses because uh, I was up late last night watching the Nets just absolutely dog in the fourth quarter and lose to the Kings on the road. I think they end up losing by – double digits i think it was like 11 or something they scored like 15 points in the fourth quarter um ultimately this is a i would say mildly concerning a loss like that because for the nets they're still three games or three and a half games out of the one seed so still possible if they could catch fire when Durant comes back which i think will probably be a week or two after the all-star break but in terms of the james harden situation you know last night was Easily his worst game of the year. Uh, no explosion, no lift. He can't seem to carry the load that he did last year for the Nets at times with injuries. I wonder how the locker room's going to respond, but at the same time, it's an 82-game season. I still think when correct, they're going to win it all. But, you know, will they ever get correct? Uh, by correct, I mean healthy. So, uh, yeah, definitely a down state right now, but I think that it's a long season. And as long as they get to the All-Star break, still – in the mix, which they will be the all-star break. I think there's like six games left. I'm not that concerned, but it's a lot of compounding issues. Now are really adding up to a lot of these, a lot of hard and frustration. And most of it comes from the Duran injury, in my opinion, which obviously isn't Duran's fault. One of my favorite things to do that I've been doing lately uh, is going on Nets, Twitter, uh, their Twitter spaces after they lose. And it's just every fan, just fan after fan, just being like, the, you know what, guys? The energy wasn't in the building tonight. I don't know what we got to do. This isn't good, though. We're supposed to be one of the best teams. We keep losing. Uh, it's hilarious. Uh, no, I, I am mean, starting honestly, to... No, there's rightful concern around the Nets and, you know, their roster construction. But at the same time, your most important players are all out with injury. You know, it's tough to really get a gauge of what the Nets really have there. And listen, if it almost happened last year, and maybe the roster was better last year, but if Durant's toe is on the line, they are probably going to the finals at the very least with James Harden's hamstring tied together with duct tape and Kyrie on a bulky ankle. So, you know, 
they played like twelve games together last year. So what's wrong, Donovan? You don't you don't think they can win it? Plus two seventy five uh, favorites right now still. Well, well, two two things. One, um, I I didn't have the Nets winning the championship preseason. I think I um I had the Bucks to to repeat. Um, but two, I I was just laughing because Reed was pulling out the if Durant's toe was on the line. When the other day we were having an argument where Reed was saying he doesn't do the if sands or, or but. No, I said lock. I said I said lock. I didn't say if ands or buts. I said lock. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll throw it in the bucket with that. Okay. We, we can, no, we can I, do that. You know, but, but the thing is, they need to get healthy, and they haven't shown that they're capable of it. If healthy, then we can make some, you know, judgments on if they can win it all or not. But, yeah, obviously it's not a good look to lose to the Kings on the road, back-to-back or not. You know, I think they deserve rightful criticism, but I wouldn't say this team can't win it all based on, you know, what's going on. Like, this losing streak isn't necessarily indicative of what this team is capable of because look at who's out right now. Are they, I think are they, you know, we're stuck. We're prisoners of the moment right now with the Nets. Are they still deserving of being uh, favorites to win it all? Yeah, I think so. I mean, what Not, are they? Right I, now? I don't, I don't think six seed right now in the East. That's I don't, I don't like think they're, outright. Three, they're three games out of the one. They get to ramp back. They could easily rip off ten in a row, and then they're right back in it. Easily rip off ten in a row. Yeah, they I mean they beat the Bulls by thirty when the Bulls were at full strength. I still, Not- I still think, I still think that. The, the problem, like you said, with the Nets over the over the past two seasons has been that they have not been able to play together. And we are a year and a half into this experiment. And that's clearly something that it's not just, oh, whenever this gets fixed, whenever that gets fixed, it's a it's an issue. They can't they can't be on the floor together. And so I think that's that should be a serious concern. Yeah, but and, when you're when you're pricing favorites to the title, you have to assume that this team is healthy, right? Like, isn't that like when healthy, this team is the best team in the league. I think that they've they also that. they also have a part time player, and so in the playoffs, in, in the playoffs, if it's a game seven, Kyrie's not playing. Well, no, they're right? the six. Assume, assuming they're probably, assuming they're they the have now, so now they're probably <laughs> playing, or he's probably well, tinfoil well, hat. They're purposely losing games so they can uh, so game sevens will be on the road. If this is all. Listen, if this was all a part of the Nets master plan, then great, good for them. Good for them. <laughs> then they really are deserving of the favorites. If this was all part of the plan, truly. Truly. Imagine this was just one big rope dope. No, I mean, look, I do think if Durant comes back and he's healthy and this hits like four to one, I'm going to be getting back in on Nets futures. That's where I stand with the team. All right. I could stir the pot with that little New York basketball a little bit more, but we're kind of getting a little bit late in the show. So I'm going to move on to the second topic. Reed, I don't know if you're ready for this at all. Um, I did prep Donovan and and Peter for it. Um, We are talking about with the Tom Brady official retirement. uh, Thank God that he's finally gone. Uh, it feels like a weight has been lifted off my shoulder, but it is topical. We're going to talk about Mount Rushmore of NFL. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of NFL? Uh, the top four. I don't even know if you can, if, if Mount Rushmore, I consider them the best players of all time, but maybe the top four players that in your mind you think of when you think of the NFL, the, the four players that represent the NFL the best throughout history. Uh, obviously, with uh, all of us being in our 20s, they're going to be a little bit biased probably to the last couple of decades, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, Donovan, I'm obviously going to go to you first. Reed, I'm going to give you a couple minutes while Donovan explains to see if you can come up with four guys. Donovan, who's on your Mount Rushmore of the NFL? So I obviously I have Tom Brady. He is he is the goat. Yeah, yeah. But after after Jerry um, after Brady, it's Jerry Rice. Uh, I have Jim okay. Brown and I have Lawrence Taylor. 
And, Jim Brown, that's an interesting choice. Okay. Jim Brown. And um, and then as my honorable mention, I was telling you before the show, I don't really like Mount Rushmore's because I had like everybody always gets off, gets left off of a list, but I really feel like that honorable mention, that fifth spot is really important. So in my fifth spot, I would have Deion Sanders in uh, in my in my yeah, he would be the fifth in, in my top five. But I think I think that Jerry Rice in power rankings, Jerry Rice is either one or two. In, in terms of all-time play, the the gap between how good Jerry Rice was, especially in a much, much different NFL than every other wide receiver is insane. All the records he holds is crazy. Um, and then Lawrence Taylor changed, you know, he, he changed the, the way defenses are played. He changed the, the value of left tackles. And, um, and then for Jim Brown, Jim Brown's someone that, I think socially has a very, very big, you know, spot in not only the NFL, but just in, in America and, and, you know, the civil rights movement and, and that whole thing. And when you go back and you listen to, to the way that people talk about Jim Brown and people from that era talk about Jim Brown, it's not just, it's not just, Oh, he was, you know, he was the best, he was the best of our time. It's no, this guy was, he was different and he was, he was that good and he could play in any era and so I think when we talk about running backs, Jim Brown has to be up there. And so that would be my my top four, my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, not, not a player I thought of, but uh, great points there. That's that's kicking it old school. He was the sixth overall pick of the 1957 NFL draft. Shout out Jim Brown. Uh, still around too. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give up mine next here, Reed, just in case you need a few more seconds. Uh, mine's at three of the four, the exact same. And I, I think a lot of people are going to come down to three of them being Jerry Rice, uh, Lawrence Taylor. And I really didn't want to put Tom Brady on there. I was going to leave Tom Brady <laughs> off and, and, and stir the pot a little bit and, and be a little bit of a, a shit disturber. But I mean, I think it's kind of tough to, to yeah, I, I can't really make that argument. Seven Super Bowls, one, one, when he was like 43 years old, as much as I don't like Tom Brady as a player, I have to put him in there. Uh, I think that the, those three are going to be similar for a lot of people. I think it comes down to the running back position for that fourth spot because there's so many guys uh, that you could put in that spot if you're looking at running back. Jim Brown, like you brought up Donovan. Walter Payton's another big one. Um, you know, there, there's a countless amount of, of running backs throughout the years you could toss in there. Um, I went Barry Sanders for my fourth. Uh, I was going to say I, him. Okay. Yeah, I, I think if – I think – if you talk about who the greatest, just the most talented, skilled, unbelievable football player of all time is, I think it is Barry Sanders. Now, he doesn't get tossed in the conversation too much, obviously, because he had an early retirement, so he doesn't have any records, never won a Super Bowl. But if you go back and watch Barry Sanders' highlights, he was on just Crazy. a terrible Lions team. And like as soon as he get the ball, like five guys would be on him, and then all of a sudden he'd be 80 yards down the field and in the end zone. It's like he he looks like you watch if if you watch like top prospects. Uh, heading into college, you watch like their high school film and how easy it seems like it is for them to break tackles. That's what Barry Sanders highlights look like in the NFL. Or you look at like Reggie Bush college highlights when he's at USC. It looked like he was breaking tackles easily left, right and center. That's what Barry Sanders looked like in the NFL. Uh, so for that fourth spot, uh, I'm going to go Barry Sanders for my running back. But yeah, Jerry Rice, Lawrence Taylor, when I think of defense, you just think of Lawrence Taylor. Uh, and then, of course, unfortunately, I have to put in Tom Brady. Uh, so that, that that's mine. That's my Mount Rushmore for the NFL. Reed, do you have one thrown together there? Yeah. Do you have anyone um, different? Yeah, no, Barry Sanders was a good call. Uh, 
I think Joe Montana deserves his respect, though. The, the I feel like the original quarterback goat, Joe Montana. I mean, the stats be for themselves: four-time Super Bowl champ, three-time a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I just think he was like, in my opinion, the elite quarterback before the modern NFL. So I, maybe, you know, of course, I wasn't alive when he played, but you know, you gotta give respect to the greats. And also, you guys took all the really good ones, so I had to try and change it up just a little bit. But I'll go with. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Lawrence Taylor, and uh, Jerry Rice. I, yeah, I, want, I, want, I want to throw this this in here real quick. I also like the deal I'm called by Donovan as like I feel like he's like number five on everyone's list, just like from a from yeah. fun perspective. I, I think I I think that if two so two things. One, I think that if we're talking about like goat goat and just who's the best player, I think that the best player has to come from the defensive side of the ball, just because defense is harder than than offense. And then two, since he's not on, but he he put in his pick. I want to see what you guys think about Peter's pick. So Peter's th- Peter's top three is the same as ours. It's Brady, Taylor, Rice, but his fourth is Peyton Manning. <laughs> he has Peyton Manning as as the fourth best player or the fourth fourth most iconic player in NFL history. And How much of that Broncos Super Bowl uh, played a little bit of bias in, in Peter's decision when, for Peyton? A noodle arm Peyton was slinging it down the field. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I, it's funny because I completely forgot that Peyton was on was on Super Bowl 50 until you guys said it. I yeah. When I hear Peyton Manning, I only think about Colts years Peyton Manning. I, that's oh, it. yeah, of course. His Broncos – like. That's the thing with Brady. I think about like that that one year, but I mean, he, he, listen, they got destroyed in the Super Bowl by the Legion of Boom, and yeah. then he was, and then he was barely a quarterback for for fifty, and so I I completely forgot about all of that. But that's that's a very interesting pick from Peter. A funny <laughs> subplot of that Broncos season was that Brock Osweiler like was fully starting games at a point in that season, then he got benched again for the playoff run for Peyton. So that's that a funny talk like, about anymore. Yeah, yeah. the Brock Osweiler near starting Super Bowl quarterback winner. If I, if I was going to be a troll and not take Tom Brady, I, I was going to slide in Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, to me, just kind of screams football. His whole persona, the way he like, yeah. carries himself, uh, his forehead. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's – I mean, back in the day when it was like – because that was the argument, Manning or Brady, who's better? I was always on the Manning camp, but then, like, Manning, like, fell apart and Tom Brady went on to, like, play another five, six more dominant years and like, another two or three Super Bowls, so – it's kind of hard to make yeah, that I mean, remaining now. Tom Brady's last touchdown pass will be a frozen rope 50-yard touchdown <laughs> yeah. pass over Jalen Ramsey in a playoff yeah. game. I mean, like, what did Manning do in that Super Bowl? Not not discrediting the Super Bowl, but, like, that was all Broncos D, I feel like. You know, the yeah. Von Miller, when Cam Newton made the business decision to not die for the fumble. All right, yeah, all right. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about <laughs> We're not Cam talking Newton, about it. All of a sudden, getting ricochet shots. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We'll move on to the final segment here, of course, uh, our best bets for today's action. Uh, Reed, you're once again the last second substitute. I don't know if you have a best bet ready, but I I, I'll, come, I'll, I'll come to you last here. Uh, Donovan, who are you looking at for uh, for tonight? I'm, I'm going to the NBA with mine. Uh, I'm looking at Phoenix minus five and a half versus Atlanta. Um, I... I'm just I'm trusting Phoenix all day now, especially especially right now in the regular season, the way that they're rolling. They're the best team in the NBA as as the road favorite. They're winning those games by an average of of 11 points, you know, per game. Um, they are 16 two and zero on the um, as road favorites, and the Hawks, even though that they've been playing well, um, you know, over the last ten games and they've kind of gotten their season back on track, they're still 18th in defensive rating. 
over, over the last 10 games. And so I, I just think that the way that Devin Booker's playing, he's averaging like almost 30 a night now. Chris Paul runs the show. The Suns are, are going to be too much for Atlanta. All right. Bye. I like it. Reed, are you ready with your pick? Yeah, I could I could put it together. I also like Donovan Suns pick. I mean, again, I watch him play the Nets saying the team is just operating at such a high level right now. Yeah, yeah, they're really just churning out wins, like and looking real good doing it. Uh I'm gonna go to Kyle Troop for hoops for my pick. I'm gonna lay the points with Arizona minus seven against UCLA. Uh, this is a rematch from last week when UCLA beat Arizona by 16. I think there's a bit of a misleading score there. It was the first time all season UCLA had fans, and Arizona really just couldn't make a shot. They shot 34% on two-point tries, 25% from three. This is a top-five offense in the entire country. What they did do, though, is 21 offensive rebounds. So they had plenty of extra opportunities. I think they're going to come out really strong in front of the home crowd, try and get some revenge. It seems a little concerning that you know Arizona favored by seven against the elite UCLA team. Don't be fooled by it. You can lay the points. I think Arizona wins this one big. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I've been back in Arizona all year. I, I think they're kind of my pick to win it all right now. I knew they were playing UCLA tonight. I hadn't looked at the line. I'm surprised it's seven. Is anyone over yeah, UCLA? Or? Yeah, no, it opened big too. I was look. I was hoping it was going to open around like five, and I could jump on it. It was like the first thing I wanted to bet, but it opened. Where are you? Yeah, it opened six and a half. It's up to seven. I still like it. I think that this is setting up for an Arizona kind of like a like the exact same thing that happened last year. I think they roll UCLA to be honest with you. Yeah, and it does look like uh, UCLA is dealing with a couple injuries as well. Uh, oh yeah, Johnny Juzangzo. Is he confirmed out? Uh, just by Don Best here, it says he's going through COVID nineteen health and safety protocols. No timetable for recovery. All right, so well. That's- so that's, listen, that, that's if he's, he's going to be out, then this line is going to keep ticking upwards. I mean, he's there, do it all forward. I was going to take him even if he was in. So, all right, I like it. I'm going to go uh, college basketball as well. I had a pretty solid night in college basketball last night. Four and one. Uh, Should have stayed away from NBA when zero and two. Uh, that's why I usually don't bet on NBA. So I'm actually going to look at some uh, early afternoon action here. Uh, and I'm going to go with this is the first game of the slate, Liberty. I'm going to take them to cover the two and a half points. Guys, help me out. Uh, me being Canadian, some schools I come across, I, I struggle to pronounce Bellarmine. Bellarmine? Close enough. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's Bellarmine. I think it's Bellarmine. Bellarmine? Bellarmine? Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm, la- I'm laying the two and a half points uh, here in this afternoon matchup. Records are pretty similar. Offensive numbers are pretty similar. Huge difference, though. On defense, Liberty, 82nd defensive efficiency. Bellarmine, that's how I'm choosing to pronounce pronounce it. 333rd in defensive efficiency in the country. Uh, and then shooting defense is very similar as well. Liberty, 62nd in opponent effective field goal percentage. Bellarmine, 329th. Uh, and then finally, a little bit of a good stylistic matchup as well because Liberty is a three-point shooting team. Fifth in three-point shot rate. And 37.6% of the points scored against Bellarmine this season have come from beyond the arc, which is 331st in the country. So uh, a lot of really bad defensive numbers for Bellarmine in this game. They're good offensively, but their defense struggles. Liberty's good on both sides of the court. Uh, Liberty also rebounding advantage as well, 160th in rebounding compared to Bellarmine at 336. So a little afternoon college hoops action, going to lay the two and a half points uh, with Liberty. Any Love thoughts it. on that one, Reed? I like yeah, that. I, I might I might ride with you. I gotta look a little bit further into it, but yeah, Liberty's got a really good guard, Darius McGee. Uh like 5'10, lightning rod, uh, 
you know, he's had like 30 point games all season. So um, I, I don't hate it. All right. I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm with you. a little afternoon sweat. That cut, the game's at what? 2.30 Eastern? 3.30 Eastern? Uh, what do we got here? 1.30? We might got even be earlier a, than that. It might be 1.30. We got a – where are you? Why can't I find it? Or is it 7 – oh, I think it was originally scheduled. It might have got moved up maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, pushed up games because of uh, – there's a snowstorm coming through uh, the Midwest. Yeah, 1.30 tip. Liberty yes, so it was supposed oh to be my. seven. It got moved up to one thirty. So if you want a little afternoon action there, I'm laying the two and a half of Liberty. Uh, but there you guys have it. Uh, unless you guys have any final thoughts, we talked a little Mount Rushmore, a uh, little New York basketball. It might have cursed. It might curse New York basketball, by the way, because they're falling apart since I've moved here. Um, and then our, our best bets for today. So thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in, uh, Donovan Reed, myself. Reed, thank you for jumping on last second to cover for Peter. I don't know what, what, what we got to go. We got to send something to Peter's house. <laughs> it's a disaster over there. Uh, but yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate, review it, all that good stuff. Uh, and we'll be back next week, Monday. I guess, on Monday. Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. Get ready. I'm excited. See ya.